This is the Do You Cash Flow podcast, the place to learn a variety of ways that everyday people like you cash flow, with your hosts, Luke Barber and Kyle Balif. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share it with someone you feel would benefit from it. All right, we're live. We're talking with Seth, and he is kind of a master in, we say, multifamily. You built over 2,000 units. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that, Seth? I said your name right. Uh, yeah. So our, yeah. So like as it sits today, our company is, uh, there's three of us that are partners in it. Uh, two of us are here in Columbus, Ohio. And the third one is in Salt Lake city, Utah. And we kind of found ourselves, uh, Tim Shaw and I, we live here in Columbus, Ohio area. We're both firefighter paramedics. We've been in that business for over 20 plus years. Uh, and then we met Tim Waki through some other networking friends and decided that, Hey, we were going to try to ramp up at scale. Uh, kind of what we have been doing individually uh, even more so and it just made sense you know we kind of as after we get to know each other we like each other and we trusted each other we thought well let's you know let's really uh, scale as best we can and uh, you know that right now we have there's a company wide we have over 2,000 doors uh, equity holdings in over 2,000 doors and then here in central Ohio uh, Tim and I own and operate about a little over 600 doors uh, that we manage and we um, we became vertically integrated last year, beginning of last year, where we um, brought construction and health as well, just because of the labor shortage and things we're seeing with the construction industry. So we decided to hire some guys and, and run it um, within the company and we self-manage. Uh, we, you know, we have a, I didn't say we self-manage, we have a management company that we own uh, and employs about 15 people. And through that, we own and operate uh, our portfolio here. How many, how many did you start off with when you began this? I mean, did you start with, with a multifamily or did you start with a single? Like, how did you, how'd you do your first or what, what did you start with your first uh, yeah. one? Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting story. And, and I always, I try to keep it brief because it obviously could go on for forever. But I was, I was born in North Dakota. Uh, when I graduated high school, I was ready to get out of the cold. So I moved to Florida. Um, I got into the fire service pretty early on. And I was almost I was about to turn 19 years old when I got in the fire service. Uh, so this is my 21st year this year. That's all I've ever done as an adult. And while I was going to college down there uh, and working, I met a guy that was, uh, you know, we just kind of became friends. And um, and then when I was going, in, when I was like in the fire service, he went into real estate and he became, he was going into real estate to be a realtor. Well, I lost track of him. You know, just back then there was no Facebook, there was no social media, there was no, you know, yeah. we're talking like 99, 2000 era. And when I reconnected with him, like almost 10 years later, he was this huge uh, real estate investor, mentor, coach. Uh, he had, was like flipping houses, hard money lending, like all these different things. And I had never really heard anything about any of that stuff. And so <laughs> that kind of piqued my interest in like, yeah. how did this guy go? The guy I knew in college to this big multimillionaire, like mogul of real estate in the Southeast. And yeah. uh, so that kind of sparked my interest. And I started reading a lot of books. I started doing a lot of research. By that point in time, you're talking, I don't know, probably 2012, 2013. No, probably 2012. And we, and so he he really kind of sent me my original like educational stuff. He was sending me MP like he had he was doing conferences down there, and he would he would send me an MP3 via email for me to listen to. Uh, and I that was the first how way I got really a, like my first education. And I he sent me a couple classes on. Uh, like the week long seminars he did on like flipping houses and wholesaling. And I kind of got my feet wet, like learning about it then. And then I um, was really hungry for more, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to talk to. And 
I met a guy here in Columbus that was a contractor that I had actually hired for a project and then found out he was flipping houses as well and just really kind of leached on to him and wanted to pick his brain and take him to, you know, the, the normal story. People, new people wanted to find experienced people and they want to talk to him and learn from them. And he was gracious enough to, to give me some time. And, and we talked and I found out that he basically listened to him and his pain points uh, that I heard was, he needed a project manager and a property manager for his portfolio that he had for the flips and for the rentals. And with my, you know, I had at that time I had a long construction or a long background in the fire service, which a lot of what we do is building construction, yes, uh, fire inspections, building inspections, all those kinds of things. And I thought, man, I could, I could, I mean, and I knew I'd do a lot of the work that was getting done. Uh, just, you know, a lot of firemen are, are deep into the trades industry and, you know, they right. have side businesses they are doing concrete or construction or whatever. Yeah. And, so I offered, I was like, look, I'll work for free. The only thing I want is on the job training for the flipping and like, kind of like, I want your ear to be able to ask questions to and to learn what you're doing. And yeah, so I did that for about a year. Um, and at the end of that year, I had, you know, I really felt with the groundwork that I had laid with my knowledge base and experience that I was like ready to go. And so like now I'm like, okay, I always was told the first deal had to be a home run or like a great deal. Uh, what do you, what do I want to get into? And, and, at that time in my life, I was, you know, I'm going to, I'm a career firefighter. This is going to be a side hustle. Uh, what do I need to do? It's kind of like, what's my why? What's my goals and, and all that stuff. And I found that multifamily was the thing that I kind of resonated the most with me because all I ever heard from people was how you can build out efficiencies and having 10 units under one roof was better than having 10 units, you know, 10 single family homes. And right. I experienced a lot of that when I was managing uh, the construction and managing uh, the properties, you know, I was leasing to people, I was answering maintenance calls, I was doing all these things, coordinating contractors and whatnot. And it was just very time consuming for that small portfolio. And I thought, if I'm going to keep a career, how do I ever like scale big enough to where I could hire people to actually make this more of like a passive role? And, 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 you know, back then I didn't really know a whole lot about syndications um, or really heard that term a lot, but, uh, so I, basically what I ended up doing was I thought, what's, what's the biggest deal that I can get into? And I went to another investor that I knew and I said, hey, you know, you've been single family guy for a long time. You get equity in these properties. Like, let's take the money I have and take the money you have. and Let's go find the biggest thing that we can buy. And what we found was a 50 unit uh, outside the tertiary market of Columbus. And um, I found it through some real realtor uh, um, networking I had done. And that was it. That was my first official deal uh, in real estate that I owned was a 50 unit apartment complex. Um, and it's just kind of taken off from there. So I have a question for you because I've been there too. What was your feelings when you first went under contract with that 50 unit? Oh, I was, I was like excited and scared to death at the same time. <laughs> I remember sitting in my daughter's gymnastics, uh, my daughter's gymnastics class with my wife. And I'm like, a million dollars. Like we just put a property under contract for a, over a million dollars. Like I just kept saying, like, you know, early on, like a million dollars, like that just yep. seemed like some foreign number to me. Like I, it didn't even register in my brain of like, you know, like when you're a kid and you're in school, you know, 10 seems like a lot compared to a hundred and you get become an adult. Like, you know, it just, I don't know. You, it is crazy how your mind works, but I was just so floored by that dollar amount. And I, yeah. you know, and, and Overwhelming. like I said, scared to death, but excited at the same time. Yeah, I had similar feelings when I bought my first uh, mobile home park. I, same feeling. What am I doing? That's a l lot of money. 
some of the biggest money I've ever seen. And that payment is the, mm-hmm. is the rent even going to cover the payment type fear, but at the same time excited because it was finally doing some huge project. So it's kind of the right. point I was trying to get across is it's just a lot of these people, I've talked to a lot of people where they're like, they don't want to do anything because they're afraid of what's going to happen. And they have, to, and I want people to understand that we all go through those scared feelings um, of what it could go wrong and everything goes through everything like that goes through my mind, what could go wrong and all that. But it's the action and actually doing it and learning is the real important part. And realizing that failure is first of all, part of life, but it's also the way you learn kind of. So as Seth was saying, <clears throat> his first, you know, the whole first year you said you worked for free, right? You just kind of got in on it. You, you absorbed as much as you could from, from the guy that you'd kind of been working for doing the property management and whatnot. And then you were asking him, you know, Hey, how would I do this? Or right. And you were learning from him for that whole first year. And sometimes that's what you got to do. Like in my, and not to detract from uh, what we're talking about with Seth, but when I started my website, you know, I worked for two years getting it going and didn't make hardly any money from hours and hours and hours of time I put in. However, the education that I got was super, super helpful to help me get the right foot to move forward. And to when I got to that point, or like in Seth's case, when he got to that point, he was ready to take that step. He wasn't necessarily uh, prepared <laughs> mentally. It was still frightening, but <laughs> but he still was, you know, a little bit more prepared to take that step versus just walking in and somebody being like, hey, you got some money, let's put it into this million dollar 50 unit, you know, complex or uh, uh, building, you know, you, you were a little bit more prepared uh, because you had been on the ground and been doing all the work yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, and I, I think like you're like you're kind of saying. At least for me, it was confidence. You know, working. You know what I had at the time. You know, at the time I didn't have experience. I had some money, but not enough to where I felt like you know. For me, like buying a single house or duplex wasn't really going to get me where I wanted to go as fast as I wanted to get there. But yeah. what I didn't have was experience, but I had time because in the fire service, we yep. you know where I will live, we work twenty four hours on and then we have two days off. So yeah, I have you know I have. You know, if you look at a month of 31 days, you know, or we'll just say 30 for easy math. I mean, I've got, I'm working 10 days. I have 20 days off. Well, nice. you know, I took my, I gave my time away to learn a trade or skill that I, you know, in turn reused to explode my portfolio. And and that first deal was successful because of the things I had learned back then when I was working for free. Yes. And, and in addition to that, I I thought of something else too. And that is the fact that, you were also like, not only were you building your experience, but you were also building trust with people and showing that you were reliable and showing that you, you know, were willing to learn and showing that you could be trusted with a variety of different things, right? That when somebody said, Hey, I need this done. You'd say, Hey, I'm your guy and you'd get it done. And and that builds trust. Right. And that there, you, you can't put a value on that. Like I can sit here and tell you about a number of times that I've worked with other people who I thought I trusted but had only worked with them for a short amount of time. And then they turned around and did something. And I, and I was just, I was just blown away that they, I'm like, we've been working, we've been doing this together for, you know, three months, six months, you know, and you're going to, you're going to try and short me, you know, a couple hundred bucks, like seriously. And, and so right. that's, that's something that, that I, I want to point out is, is very, very critical that by, by doing something like what Seth has done with, with working, you know, for free. And I'm not saying you always have to work for free, but working to get experience is, is worth its weight with the connection, with the experience. And, and there's lots of other little things that come from it, but those two things are huge. 
And, and to speak further on it, like I look at the relationship Kyle and I have. Kyle and I have known each other since, well, gosh, I guess it's been about 10 years now. And, you know, Kyle and I, like we flipped houses together. We've done online things together. We've done all sorts of things together that I know that when I do something with Kyle, that I know he's, the, that he's not going to flake on me. I know he's not going to, you know, uh, what, nickel and dime me over something. You know, like he's fair with me and we're fair with each other. And we just have that kind of relationship that we know that the other person isn't going to flake. And that's worth, that's worth more than money. You know, and it sounds like that's kind of what you kind of slowly got after working with the folks that you were working with. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I, I, I would 100% agree. And I say I work for free, but like you just said, I mean, I may have monetarily worked for free, but the relationships I built with vendors or contractors or, you know, the yep. guys at Lowe's or Home Depot, ProDesk, you know, I mean, yep. those are things that I carried on forward with being to my first big deal. And without those, connections or that network I, I you know i wouldn't have been as successful so yep uh you know that, that's 100 percent right yeah so you build you build different things you don't necessarily build money and that and that's the hard thing sometimes about entrepreneurship side hustles all that like sometimes you got to and and that's a you know and and i don't know how it was for you but i know for me personally when i started so my background is in speech therapy and when i started being a speech therapist you know, one of the things that immediately came to me as I started at right out of college on my first job was, man, I'm limited. I'm limited in how much I can make doing this because I could only do therapy for so many hours a day, you know, and get paid per hour. Mm -hmm. And so it's a total mind shift to think and be thinking about, oh, well, there's ways that I could be making money while I'm not working. So what are those? <laughs> and that's, that's yeah, again, yeah. that's kind of what we're all about, you know, here on Do You Cash Flow is... We want to bring to people just to just to spark that idea in their mind of like, hey, you can make money doing this. You know, you could do this in real estate. You can do this in and the online, you know, well, I don't want to say metaverse, but you know, in the online universe, that's what I was looking for. You know, you can do mm -hmm. this. And it's and it's something that you can put your effort and work into that you may it may not pay off right away, but long term, you know, it's going to pay dividends for you. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many there's so many roles within real estate investing that I think that, you know, is, is just needs to be filled. I mean, insurance agents, attorneys, you know, yep. there's bookkeepers, there's CPAs and all these different things. And anybody that, that like maybe one of your listeners, that's not a real estate investor now, but still thinking like, I want to get into it. Well, if you fill one of those roles, I mean, it, all it takes is you to get into like a mastermind group or a group of right. investors that are active, that are, you know, they're out there, doing what I'm talking about or what I'm doing, but I have a full, you know, I'm only able to do what I can do because I have a whole team of people, you know, that we, exactly. you know, we, we have a use for everything. We have insurance agents that we use. We have you know, all those roles that, and I know guys that have gotten into uh, investor circles and they, they're kind of like the insurance guy or they're the accounting person and yep. their business has exploded because they become like the go-to person for a lot of other investors. And, and that's, you know, like you said, that, that has allowed them to scale their business where they don't have to be the only person working there anymore. They'd be able to hire five, 10 people and, you know, and they're, and they're benefiting from real estate by indirectly um, providing a service. And then also, you know, we've got guys that will get in on deals like, Hey, I'll defer my attorney fee for the next, your next three deals, but I want equity in this property or something, you know, and then, right. and then here they are they're in on the deal. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and it's just great. So, yep. And, and something else you mentioned too, that I wanted to, to talk on was, well, we mentioned it a few minutes ago, but 
the importance of uh, if if you're if you're doing these kind of side hustles right, or if eventually you're wanting to do this full time, you know, you find your passion in something and you want to do it full time, quit your job, whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, always have some kind of revenue source coming in. <laughs> and I say that because I have a good friend of mine here who lives here in Panama City, and he wanted to start his own plumbing business. And the guy's brilliant. He's had 20 years of experience with it and uh, and wanted to start his own plumbing business, but didn't have any money in the bank. And then he kind of was on the outs with his company he was working for, and and he just kind of quit. And, and so he was just scrambling, trying to find, and he did it in December. So he just did it a couple months ago. Does it in December, and now he's scrambling. He's like, I don't know where I'm going to come up with money for Christmas. I don't know where I'm going to, you know, and it was really stressful for him. And so I kind of gave him some counsel. I said, well, maybe, you know, maybe you should go back to work for somebody, you know, temporarily for like six months or something, kind of get your footing, get some money saved up and whatever. So you have some money to live on while you're out there trying to be, you know, cause like a plumber, he has to have jobs lined up all the time. And when you're a one, mm-hmm. one team guy or one person guy, you know, he didn't have the team that, that Seth's talking about that he's built up, you know, that's all stuff that you just build with time. Right. And he'll get there, but you know, it's really hard and it's stressful on, you know, marriages, on relationships, on families when you don't have, you know, that money coming in. So, you know, by you sticking with the fire department and everything and, 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 and what a great deal that is, right? That you can work those couple days and then have the rest or 20 days off. I mean, that's, that's perfect, you know, cause then it gives you that time that you can invest, you know, your time into, into doing something like this. Yeah. So I yep, just want to throw that and, out there. and I think too, to add to what you said with your, your, your plumber example is that, you know, when you're that guy, you know, you have to be better or Johnny on the spot more than the next guy. Right. So if you are, yep. You have to be the guy in that beginning. You have to be the guy taking the 3 a.m. calls, the midnight calls, the broken yep. water pipes. Like, it doesn't exactly. matter who it is, when it is, where it is. You got to show up because you're trying to build that that client base. And as you do those things, word of mouth will travel. Because again, what I've seen in the in the trades industry is that man, if ninety percent of the battle is finding somebody that will actually show up on yes. time and then do what they say they'll do. If you do those two things, you can be as rich as you want to be. You know, and make as That's much right. as you want. That's right. So coming back to, so you started out with 50 units and you kind of scaled from there. And I think we talked, you mentioned you're in the Salt Lake area. How'd you get in the Salt Lake area and expand all the way out there? Did you get, you go ahead. No. So I'm in Columbus, Ohio. My partner, one of our, one of the guys in the group is in Salt Lake City, Ohio, or Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, But yeah, so I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I actually moved up from, I lived in Fort Walton Beach for a long, long time. So you guys said Panama City, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, that's, that's my, my, where I started was, was down there in Pensacola, Fort Walton Beach, Destin area. Uh, my wife's from that area. So that's nice. great that uh, you guys are from that. I love that area. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we, we, I guess, like I said, being here in this market, we, we just started looking at, I went to my first deal, we refied. Um, you know, I did, like I said, a lot of sweat equity. Again, I'm like, I'm like the plumber that you talked about running around all over doing anything and everything to make the, to make his business work. Yep. My first deal, I bought it, but I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I went in undercapitalized. I went in with, um, not knowing, you know, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a coach. I didn't have anybody, you know, kind of directing me like I probably should have, or how I realized now is, is available. Uh, but back then I didn't know. And, uh, so I, luckily had one guy that I could call and he would give me some advice on what to do. And, and really I just, 
you know, I always use a term that I had to dig in and, and, and just, you do know, it. I just had to determine. Yeah. I just made it by my mind. I'm like, this is, this has got to be a success. Like this is it. I bet, yep. you know, I, I haven't burned the boats and like left my W2, but man, if this thing goes bad, like I'm losing my house, I'm losing yep. my, you know, my wife is already like scared to death of me doing this and thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> so like this has to work. Right. So I yep. would work at the, I would work at the firehouse and then I would go to the property and I would work with the five contractors that I had hired and me for the full year. And I had, I went to a, you know, I realized that I couldn't um, like lease the property and do that side of things and do the construction. But what I knew was construction. So I used a third party manager to manage and lease the property while I was there every day working. And, you know, I just, I mean, like I said, that first deal, it was do whatever you got to do to get it done, do whatever you got to do to, to, to get to the refi, to get yep. the NOI, that's what it needs to be, to get, you know, to have, for it to be successful. And if this first one is successful, the next one is just going to come that much easier or the third one or the fourth one. And, and yes, and that was how we scaled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I have a question. So you have over 2000 units. I'm assuming you have three partners and you said you syndicated deals. So you've got all these investors that you're paying. So, um, so let's just go back to that 50 unit deal. Did you syndicate that one as well? So that one was just myself and one other investor. And I gave up 50% of that deal to somebody that really didn't, he had, he came up and did some, um, you know, some work with me on like bigger projects. Like we replaced all the windows, 138 windows in this apartment complex. Cause that was part of our value add strategy. And that was him and I doing it 12 hours a day for two weeks straight. You know, I mean, but outside of probably two or three trips that he made that whole first year was all me, you know, my time and whatnot. But like I said, he, at the time he had, he had more money than I did because he'd been investing longer. So again, I gave up my sweat equity and my time in order to get my foothold in that first deal. And we split it 50, 50. So on that first deal, split a 50, 50, you bought 50 units. Um, basically what I'm getting at is what, what type of cash flow were you getting and what kind of what your return was? Uh, so initially like we were, so we bought it, it was cash flowing like, okay. Um, I didn't realize there was something called economic vacancy where like the rent roll or the leases show there's people living there or paying X, but when you actually take over, they're not actually paying that or, you know, they don't live there. And, and I found that out quickly that that can actually happen in deals. Uh, that was my first exposure to that. And I had, uh, we went from a pretty high occupancy rate to uh, just above 75% within the first month because we kind of people knew the gig was up and that, Hey, these guys are legit and they're not going to let, let things slide. And so we had a lot of people leave in the middle of the night, which is actually something common that happens now. We just plan for it and just, we know going into it that that's probably going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then Hey, that was great. But we Even were prepared for it. Um, but so it, it cash flowed well enough to pay the debt service and the insurance and, and property taxes and all those normal bills. Um, as we transitioned the first year and kind of stabilized it, it was, you know, it was pretty, I wouldn't say sparse. I mean, every month we saw, we saw better numbers and better numbers. Um, the big ticket was when we refinanced that we had created a million dollars in equity that we were able to pull out and nice. um, pay ourselves back and then take the money and go buy the next deal. Yep. So that's the first one. And then the second one would be, we still own it now. And I would say before debt service, it net cash flow is about $26,000 a month. How much of that were you making? How much of it will I make out of that? Yeah. Uh, after debt service, somebody, because I mean, again, everything's renovated. It's, we, we don't have a ton of expenses. Um, I'm probably, once we, we do our split, I'm probably making about 10 grand a month. Nice. 10 to 12,000 a month on that one deal. And that was your first deal, was a 50 unit. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's grown. I've I've had that property now for a while, and so like every month it's gotten better. Every year it's gotten better because rents yeah. increased, and you know. But like I said, we we pretty much made it a new building by doing all these renovations. Yes. So there wasn't a lot. Of, you know, we don't spend a ton on maintenance because everything's new. Yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, that was. I mean, that was the first deal, and like I said, we'll hold that deal. It's just the two of us. We'll hold it for years and years. So yes. It's, it's it's just you know it's just it's great. Yes. And that, and that's the way to do it. In my opinion, that's the way to do it, right? You buy it, you buy a distressed property, right? And this is, I know I'm preaching to the choir to you because I know you already know it, but you know, that's the way to do it is to buy property that's distressed, fix it up and force appreciation, period. Like I, I don't see any other way to do it. Like that is just the best way to do it in my opinion, always. But, um, one yeah, if, you're, th- if oh, you're, if you're kind of in the, well, you know, I, 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 deal with two different types of investors or buyers or sellers or whatnot. And, and what I see is there's, there's, there's people that are trying to create wealth and they love the value add like heavy lifting C class. And then there's people that are trying to preserve wealth and the guys trying to preserve wealth are buying a class high B low, you know, maintenance, you know, maybe it was built two years ago. And so the, they're really buying just to preserve their, their capital. Right. Because right now yeah. the worst thing you can do is, money in the bank in my mind with you know with every day it sits there it's getting less and less valuable so putting it into something like real estate that appreciates with the inflation i mean right now we're like what a record record high the last 40 years um you know the the cost or you know i mean you're seeing the housing market you know the the housing market's going crazy everywhere and and the multifamily space is the same thing but your dollar is is matching the 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 inflation where if it's just sitting in your money market or your 401k you know you're just yeah. not it's not growing as fast as everything else around it is costing and so you're technically losing money right you know every year the way that i see it right so i'm gonna jump to this real quick so if you're if you were to do this again what how would you start what would you do differently um i think for me like you know i I would do, I was going to tell people like, I would do whatever I had to do to get into a deal or get into my first deal. And if that means it's a single family home for you, like great. If it means it's a duplex or a four unit, great. I'm a huge proponent of multifamily because I think the more units you have in a deal, it spreads the risk out. You know, if you buy a single family and the person moves out, you're stuck paying the mortgage. If you buy a duplex, at least you have somebody paying half the mortgage, you know, and so, and and so forth as you get uh, more units, but you know, or, and, and I always tell people too, like, don't be so fo- so focused on like owning 100% of the deal, like to get your feet wet. Like I had a way, you know, what worked for me and it may not work for somebody else. So they may not have that same opportunity, but what they might have is go to an experienced investor. And again, you know, they're maybe a house flipper and he needs somebody with more time that he can trust. Well, if he can trust you, then maybe you cut, you get a cut of that deal or maybe not the first yep. one, the second one, or, you know, you kind of, figure out what works for you to get in and, and getting involved is the big thing because get, right. getting involved, getting in the room with people that are already doing it. Yes. You'll find private money lenders. You'll find, you know, you'll make all these different connections and a common saying is your net worth is your net worth. And then I just, it's just true. You know I mean? That's why you just know every person you meet, you just never know like what, where that connections lead. Yes. And you know, that's, that's the, I think that was probably my best advice. That and, that and don't be afraid to hire a mentor, you know, like yep. maybe not a big giant national guru that, you know, you're never going to actually meet in person. But, you know, if you know, if you're in your local market and you know somebody that's in real estate investing or whatever you want to get into, whatever trade it is or whatever, 
thing it is that you're looking at getting into, if you can find somebody that's doing what you want to be doing, don't be afraid to pay them for their time because yep. their time is valuable. And not that yours isn't, but you know, for them to stop what they're doing and to take time out of their day to meet with you or guide you or whatever, like, you know, that it, it's, it's slowing down what they're they're what they could be doing. And so, like I said, I just, you know, I would, you know, don't, don't be shocked if somebody asks you to pay them, you know, a little bit, because again, it, it helps. Like for me, if somebody wants to have lunch with me and like, and I don't know them very well, I might say, look, if you, I'll meet with you, but you know, I'm, I'm 250 bucks an hour or whatever right. the dollar might be. But then if they're willing to pay me that, I know they're serious. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, you, 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 none of us have time to, our time to be wasted with people that aren't actually serious or willing to take action. That's like the last thing I want to be doing. That's right. That's right. And another thing you brought up too, that I want to, I want to, I want to make mention of is just the fact that your attitude going into this, and this is, this, this is what it's all about. Like, you have to have the attitude of, I'm going to make this work no matter what, right? Come hell or high water, I, I gotta, I'm going to make this work because this is what I want. This is what I want to do, you know? And it's not, it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're unhappy with where you're at. I was, like my personal, you know, I, I've already told my story on this podcast, but, you know, I wasn't happy with where I was. I wasn't happy with what I was making, what my potential revenue to, or my potential to make was. I didn't like it. And so you don't always have to be in that situation, but you do have to when you start doing anything, again, whether it's a side hustle or something you eventually want to take over your W-2, whatever, you have to have the attitude of, I'm going to make this work. You know, you mentioned burn, burning the boat, and, and we, we talked about that in, in past episodes about burning the boat and how, you know, sometimes, yeah, you do have to, you don't always have to burn the boat, but, you know, sometimes if that's what you need to kind of kick it up a notch and 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 make sure uh, and have that attitude of I've got to make this work, then yeah, you got to burn the boat. But I just, I like that you mentioned that, that you said that that was just, that was how you thought, that's how you thought through it, right? That's how you thought about it. You thought, I've just got to make this work. So I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to make it work. Because sometimes, you know, I think, I think people get paralyzed, right? With it's that whole analysis paralysis thing. They get paralyzed with thinking, well, what if this goes wrong? Or what if that goes wrong? Or what if this happens? What if that? Well, that's all fine. Those things could go wrong or that maybe they won't. Who knows? But things are always bound to go wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah. nature, right? Things are going to go wrong. And so if you don't have, I think that's what weeds people out is that one thing goes wrong. It's like, oh, well, gosh, you know, they throw their hands up. Like, well, I guess this wasn't meant to be, you know, and, th and then they quit. And it's a shame that they don't plan for things to go wrong and they don't plan for to, to fail. They don't plan to make wrong choices and wrong decisions. You know, you're not always going to make right decisions. Like for all you knew, when you got into your 50 unit, you know, uh, complex, your first deal that you did for all you knew, I mean, yeah, you had some experience and everything, but for all you knew, everybody was going to move out, you know, <laughs> right after you bought it for all you knew. Right. And then now you're stuck with this big, huge mortgage payment. You've got nobody in there renting, right? That thought's gone yeah. through my head before. Right. And yeah. so, but you were bound and determined, you know, to make it happen and you did. You know, and I think that's that's the resonating lesson is that if you have that attitude, you will make it work, you know, and you just got to do what you got to do to make it work. And it may be hard at the yep. time, but you'll get you'll get through it. You know, time this too, this too shall pass. I actually saw that the other day. I saw a video about I think it was Tom Hanks, actually, uh, who said he was talking to all these other people. And, and he said, you know, when you have really good things going on in your life, 
this too shall pass. When you have bad things going on in your life, this too shall pass, right? And so he said, just because it's, you know, life's great now or life's terrible now, for whatever reason, it will pass. And so you just have to go into it with that attitude that, hey, if something goes wrong, it'll pass, you know, I'll work through it, I'll get through it. And, and, and it's just that fear, you know, of stuff going wrong, you just have to overcome and just say, well, I'll just deal with it as it comes. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and to add to that, I mean, real estate's not like all glitz and glamour, like, you know, a lot of people want to believe it is. I mean, I, you know, you guys have flipped houses. I mean, there's, you know, I've got friends that are, you know, they're hating life in the middle, you know, it's it, three in the afternoon when they're in their, in the basement doing whatever it is they need to be doing or, or somebody contractor didn't show up or, you know, like yeah. they're, they're doing work that they feel is like, I wouldn't say below them, but they, you know, they're like, I could be doing something that's the higher, best use of my time. But they, they just, again, they have that attitude where like, no matter what comes up, I'm going to find the solution, whether that's me doing it or I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I think that so many people fail in life or fall short of their potential because they, like, if they would have just pushed a little bit further, they would have seen the, the success. But like you said, even when you were kind of getting your website started, you worked for two years, like, had you stopped at 18 months or right. uh, 22 months or whatever, you know, and, and not, you know, actually come to fruition, if you would have just stopped even the day before, you know, whatever that break was, right. Uh, you never would have recognized the reward for all the hard work you had done. And, and a mentor of mine always has kind of given me the analogy of like, you know, like if a, if a plane, you know, if you're, when you're in a plane and you're going, let's say you're, I mean, for me, I'm flying from here to, to New York city or whatever, you know, the most few, and I'm not a pilot, so maybe this is not accurate, but you know, the way it made sense when he told me was that the a plane uses the majority of its fuel during takeoff and, and getting to the altitude it needs to fly. But once it's up there, it's using the wind and other things and, and then yeah. it can, it's not gliding per se, but it's, you know, it's, it's less effort to actually go from Columbus to New York. It's more effort to get off the ground and get up to where you need to be to actually, you know, to, to fly. And that's where, you know, I always have thought about that where when I'm going through something tough or, you know, something's not, you know, something goes wrong within the business or whatever, and we're scrambling or we're trying to figure it out or, yep. you know, is that again, it's just another thing because that, that's how this works is the, you know, you'll get to a certain plateau and you're, and you're like, you know, the goal you, you had six months ago, you obtained it. Well, now what? Well, now the bar is even higher. You yes. know, or what's the next, go to the next one, you go to the next one. And so you're always, you know, you want to enjoy the reward of your accomplishment, but you're always kind of, um, at least for me and most entrepreneurs that I know are yeah. always striving to continue to grow, to continue to learn, to kind of get to that next level. And, and, yep. and so when you're doing that kind of like level change, it's always a lot more energy spent spent to get there. But once you make it, you're like, man, like that, you look back and you're like, that really, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Right. And then what, now what am I going to do? Yeah. And you kind of go on to the next level. Yep. That's right. Yeah. I, I actually got to that when I quit my job, uh, about five years into my online business, I got, I got to that point where I was like, well, this is what I've always wanted. You know, I, want, I wanted my, to work from home, you know, my, have my own business, blah, blah, blah. And I have to work for somebody else. Well, now what? <laughs> and so yeah. yeah and I never I guess I never thought I'd actually get there and then I got there and I was like oh well now I got to kind of reevaluate and reassess what I need to do here to you know go to that next level like you said and like what oh. so was, yep. yeah but but that's a great analogy um because it is it is it is the most work getting it done in the beginning and then and then you do get to a point where you're like so I, I look back for myself you know 10 years ago where I was 10 years ago and I still had a couple years before I quit my job at that time and I look at it and I go, yeah, I don't know how I did it. You know, I did it and I, I worked through it and it wasn't easy, but 
you know, that, but it was those first, the first bit of it is, is the hardest for sure. All right, Seth, where can people find you? Like, do you have a website or anything, Facebook or where they can find you? Yeah. So our website is www.thestreamgroups.com. And on that group is plural because we have, like I said, the management company, the investment firm and the construction company. So it's groups. Uh, and then they can look me up on Facebook, Seth Siegel, just my name. Uh, and then I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on um, Instagram as well. So yeah, come find me. Uh, we've got a private Facebook group called Fireproof Your Finances with Multifamily Real Estate. And we share a lot of content in there, just kind of some of the things we've talked about today on, on this podcast and just kind of views on business and life and whatnot. And it's just, it's open to anybody that requests to get in and, and, you know, it's just a great networking, um, just a great place to network, you know, with, with real people, legitimate investors, you know, there's lenders, there's private equity people. I mean, there's all kinds of different people in the group. So. And what's, what's your goal? Like, what's your purpose with doing all of that? I mean, are you guys doing trainings? You guys have conferences or is it just kind of like a, Hey, connect with people, you know, like-minded people and find like-minded people or, Hey, I need an insurance guy or I need a lawyer or whatever. Is that mostly what kind of what you're doing with it? Yeah. I think that like, you know, it's, it, it's kind of been, you know, in all, in all transparency, you know, the last couple of years for me has been a, a kind of change of mindset because, you know, I just, for a long time, you know, again, coming from my, my, my background and, you know, being in front of a camera or being on a podcast or being like the guy doing the talking was always really hard for me to like be comfortable in because I never really felt within my mind, like, what, what do I have to offer somebody? You know, like, what if, yeah. you know, there's all these other guys doing all other awesome stuff and like made me feel like my stuff was just, was just small. But, you know, the more that I've, kind of put myself out there and shared my story going coming from a blue collar guy to what I'm doing today. And, yeah. and what, you know, it, it's really just resonated with people. And the, and as I receive more positive feedback, I'm like, man, like how selfish was my thinking almost where, you know, I wasn't kind of putting it out there for people because, you know, I, I think back of how much I learned from guys on bigger pockets or other podcasts or, you know, just things in, 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 that, that I never met those guys. I never spoke to them, but I listened to them on a podcast that just really helped my story. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the group kind of started with that in mind. And then, you know, as we've kind of gotten some feedback from people, I think that it's, you know, it, it's, it probably would warrant some kind of like a mastermind, but I'm always, I'm, I'm, you know, I want to deliver real value to people and I've never wanted to be like, Hey, just come to like a weekend, you know, pay five grand and come to like a weekend yeah. getaway. And then Monday morning, like you're on your own. Like I, I really don't like that kind of setup. And so, you know, we've kind of kept the group small and, and um, you know, it's really more of like when people, requests like hey i'd like to learn more from you or whatever then we can kind of talk about this stuff but at the moment we haven't scaled to any kind of big event or mastermind or anything like that okay yeah just curious um well awesome well you know thank you thank you for your service for sure like i've i've in the last year or two i've watched uh chicago fire right like that tv show it's pretty popular i think and uh and so really really have a much stronger appreciation i mean i already did but I have a much stronger appreciation now for, you know, our, our firemen and our policemen. So we appreciate your service as well. And, um, thank you. You bet. And anything else, Kyle, anything else you want to ask him? That's all I got for today. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found value in it, please share it with someone, you know, who is looking for ways to generate extra income. New episodes come out every Friday. If you want to know the second they are available, hit that subscribe button. 
and leave us a review about how today's episode will increase your cash flow or get in touch with us on our website at doyoucashflow.com.